0: listening to grassroots www.innovationstudios.com i'm marcus it's week 35 of the q a grassroots uk music podcast a podcast for the unsigned artist um and once again you've been sending me your questions and i'll be here for the next 45 minutes or so I'm going through them and um, having as much fun as i can answering them remember that uh, My podcast is based on the questions that you ask and my answers are based on the knowledge and the equipment that I've used for all of the years that I've been in this business. I'm not an old man by any stretch, but I'm certainly not a young man either. Um, Let's get straight on with it. Albert, and Albert's in Brighton. Hi, Marcus. I just wondered what positives have come out of the pandemic for the music industry. It's a very good question, actually, Albert, because it's perceived... um, that the music industry have, have struggled, which which to be fair, we as as collective we we have we haven't been able to uh, perform or to tour um, or to um, get out there and uh, sort you know open mic or anything like that. Um, in terms of positives, um, there are quite a few. My own personal experience is that. Um, I think people it gave gave people more of an opportunity to find a way. So, um, I think my my um, experience is that I took the time to find out a bit more about the technology and Skype and Zoom and, and other uh, options of teaching online, and it meant that I was able to branch out. Um, and I, I have two, you know, quite quite a few pupils now that I teach online. Um, I wouldn't say all over the world, but I do teach um, a gentleman in Canada. And um, yeah, it's it's given me the opportunity, and also to explore other other avenues, you know, like like this podcast and like uh, things, because I felt people were sat at home, and uh, were looking to listen to music more, and and um, therefore get get into music a lot more. And I think that um, yeah, I think it's it's uh, from a teaching point of view, and also um, everybody. There's lots of people saw it as an opportunity to try something new. So um, uh, there, there were a lot of people out there who suddenly thought, well, I've got all this time on my hands. I might as well do something with it. And after they'd done all the decorating, all the straightening, and things that they had to do at home, maybe they thought, "I'll do something for me now, um, and might, maybe pick up a musical instrument, pick up a guitar or a banjo or a ukulele or a mandolin or a piano or anything like that. And then, of course, the only place they could really learn, because they could do it in person, was either online with the likes of myself or, or me- many other music teachers out there, or on um, you know YouTube and things like that. So I think the music industry gave everybody an opportunity to say, you know, let's promote what we do. Let's let's try and do some things, some more work online. And I think um, I think everybody's the same in as much as everybody's been working from home and been able to work from home if they could. Um, kind of realized that they, they could work from home and, and and uh the job they did obviously not all jobs but uh, they were able to work from home i mean i'd spoken to mobile phone companies i'd spoken to um sky tv and virgin tv and stuff like that when i was trying to get a price for them and i've spoken to spoken to a, a, a lovely young lady and a, and a gentleman who they were working from home and just happened to be farming their calls from home and um You know, it's going to save a lot of money for these companies to not necessarily have to rent the warehouse space if people can work from home or the office space. But, um, yeah, I think it gave people an opportunity to maybe pick up an instrument if they haven't. And I'm going to give a shout out to a young lady who who I teach called Anna Reynolds. And Anna is um, uh, a young lady who just during the um, lockdown felt well she'd never really although she's a lovely singer and um a piano player as well had never really dabbled with guitar so her family bought her a guitar and she learned and and here we are you know a year later and Anna's got um I think it's 10 or 12 songs ready or or working getting them ready to make her first album um and um never written a song in her life just picked up the guitar and, and just took to it and I think um, it's, it, it's helped her a lot. Um, and, uh, I think it's, it helped a lot of people to focus on something that they wouldn't have otherwise focused on. Um, and I think it, it took people away from the four walls and plus you had all the bands out there who, because they couldn't tour, were able to, or, or giving exclusive performances on, uh, YouTube. I mean, for me, I, I, although it's not necessarily something that I would do again, um, the opportunity to perform from my studio and to stream something live is something I'd never done. Um, you know, call me old-fashioned, but I haven't. And uh, and I thought it was an opportunity for me to uh, do a performance, play a performance um, live that people could tune into. And I, and I had a lot of good feedback, so I did another one. And then I said I'd do another one and I kind of um, didn't really get the chance. And I thought, no, I've learned from that, so I know I can do it. Um, on on another level you've had all of these great legendary artists and bands and some of the the, the the upcoming ones sitting around with lots of time and if you're a musician if you're a songwriter what you're going to do you're going to write songs so i think and also not only are you going to write songs but you're going to write songs without a time frame so you haven't got to write you know a, a song and any old pap just to just to make it you know to 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 get the songs on the album by the time the the release date is due You can have, you know, six months, eight months to fine tune those songs and to work on them and to work on every single part of them and and to tidy them up. So I think over the next 18 months, I think there are going to be some seriously brilliant albums out there from people who, you know, would have made brilliant albums anyway, but have taken this time to write and to record. I mean, you've got, a, a you know, a new McCartney album, McCartney 3, which... You know, he didn't have to do it. Paul McCartney didn't have to do it, but he has worked and been recording an, an album from home where he could work and play all the parts himself. And I think a lot of these bands, once they're able to get together again, there are going to be a lot of, of ideas and a lot of really strong ideas because people have had time. Usually in the music industry, you release your first album, it goes okay. The, the, the record company usually want the second album the next year. And, if you've got some songs flying about, that's fine. If you're on album three or four and it's a case of we want something out by Christmas or we want something out uh, all of a sudden you're on a deadline. Um, and so you have to kind of, you're rushed into doing the best you can with the songs. But if you, if you have time and you don't have to rush, then I think, um, yeah, I think that there are a lot of things to be honest with you. Um, but I think in this particular instance, uh, Albert, Albert, that um, music, the particularly original music and particularly over the next 18 months, I think the lockdown would have given people an opportunity to do something or to learn something they wouldn't have otherwise done, given people a hobby they wouldn't have otherwise had and given them the songwriters of the world time to all get together, if you like, and, or, or to get together in their own uh, bubble or, or with their own, in, in their own uh, space and create something that I think we're going to enjoy for the next couple of years. I think there's probably going to be some really massive albums that come out of this. Maybe an artist that you that has been around for years that have, have always been solid, I think will suddenly make a uh, quote-unquote Sergeant Pepper um, because they've had time to work on it. And then, you know, I mean, I happen to know, Iron Maiden have got a new album coming out, ACDC uh, have got a new album coming out, uh, you know, um, or they've got a new album out, came out, to ages ago but um also they they were recording that and that was kind of left over that time um and i think there's going to be a lot of legendary artists i mean all right all the songs are going to be about lockdown or being locked up or you know but i think um yeah the the artists will have an opportunity to have done the best they can and with no time frame to write some great songs and i imagine let's let's pull a name out that somebody like ed sheeran i bet ed sheeran's next album I bet it's absolutely fantastic. I mean, his stuff is anyway, right? I'll admit that. But I bet his next album, because he's a songwriter and a proper songwriter, and I bet he he will have taken the time and used the time to write songs. He wouldn't have sat on his backside on the sofa watching, you know, YouTube. Although I hope he does, because he might be tuning into the Grassroots Music UK. Um, if you do tune in, Ed, hi. Um, he said with all the sarcasm he could possibly muster up. But everybody has been given this opportunity, and uh, through no fault of their own, the time and the space to um, explore music in a different way. Um, and that can only be a positive thing. Thank you for your question. Uh, Don says, um, Hi Marcus, some songs are blatantly offensive. Is there a place nowadays for sexist or racist lyrics or bad language? Um. Oh, where do I start, Don? Um. I think, no, no. first of all, sexist or, or racist lyrics, I don't think there's a place for it anyway. Um, bad language, I think it's pretty much accepted these days that um, it's just part of the music industry. Um, and although, of course, you probably, if you search back over time, you could probably find some pretty offensive stuff. It was really towards the end of the 80s, early 90s, where songs were, um, you know... Th- th- the F word would appear and all of these, these words would appear. Um, and and you think about it. I mean, if you, th- if you think about it, I mean, the Beatles never resorted to that because they weren't allowed to Rolling Stones, I'm sure probably have over the years, but, but um, I mean, Oasis, if you think about Oasis um, as an example now, yes, they write about life and yes, they talk about, you know, being chained to a mirror and a razor blade, which let me tell you, he's not shaving. All right. Um, There's probably some sort of white powder involved in that uh, particular scenario. But although they do sing stuff about life, I can't remember. I think there's probably one. um, He says the he says the S word in um, hello. Other than that, I can't really think of of anything else. And yet they're supposed to be one of the most radical sort of bad boy kind of you know, uh, rock bands of all time, Oasis. And yet when you listen to their lyrics, they do actually mean something and they get the point across without actually blatantly um, using that sort of language. Um, So, you know, they they don't need it. I think you you can get the message across by, um, you know, by getting your message across in the nicest possible way. You get it there. You don't need to do it. But I think there's a lot of... um, Use of words that, you know, that, that personally shouldn't be used anywhere, let alone on um, albums. And I think also, standing the, t- the test of time, I'm sure there are old albums that probably referred to, you know, that they had pretty sexist lyrics and I'm sure probably would have had um, some sort of racist lyrics in if you think back maybe there are a few i can't think of any off the top of my head and to be honest i don't want to because this is a different era now it's a different time now and those songs are not necessarily going to be played that much um but i think realistically um i don't think there's a there's a place for uh racism or sexism or any sort of ism in any in any culture in any art in any any particular environment um, as for swearing, look, it's just part of it these days, and I know people are still offended by it, and, uh, and and of course that's fine, but it's becoming the norm now. Um, and uh, if you get an album with with without a swear word on it, it's quite rare these days. So um, yeah, I think if you're clever, I mean, you think about other other genres or other artists or other things. You know, legendary comedians like Ken Dodd. Ken Ken Dodd could be unbelievably rude. Bob Monkhouse could be unbelievably rude, but never, never actually directly. They would make the joke, and you would you would know that you would know what they meant. So that in, in a way, the 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 kind of um, what's the word the, the just just the rudeness of that was on you because you knew what he meant. He just said it, and I think um, sometimes there are too many blatant. Um, blatant lyrics out there that that are you know that are blat- blatantly racist lyrics and blatantly sexist lyrics but I don't know the argument that it's just music just doesn't cut it anymore so no I don't think there's a place for it but swearing um sometimes it, it depends I mean it can be if it if it's necessary if it's now ne- I mean I look I'm not I'm not I'm no old fuddy-duddy look I've used unbelievable language i've used unbelievable unbelievably foul dis- disgusting vulgar four letter word language to describe a, a hamster coming out of its house you know it's it's kind of but but i'm still offended by um just things that don't necessarily need to be there and i think it's it's unnecessary you don't need to have it there um You know, straight away off the top of my head, uh, Creep by Radiohead. That doesn't need to be there. You know, when he he did it on top of the pops, he sang You're So Very Special. So sing You're So Very Special. It doesn't take anything away from the song. Um, And all it really does is it kind of divides your audience because the kids feel bad playing it and the adults don't let the kids play it. If you want your your record to be music or your music to be heard by all um, genres, all age groups or religions, or cultures, then kind of play by the rules a bit, you know, That that's that's why bands like the Beatles and the Stones and all that, apart from the, the fact that their songs were really great, um, they weren't, they're not that offensive, you know, and, and so by by today's standards, the big bands that are around today, they sing about life bon jovi a sing about life but you won't find an f word as far as i'm aware but if you listen to social disease i think it is on um on slippery when wet the sound effects on that at the start are unbelievably rude but there's nothing no actual lyric in that that's offensive so there we are i think it's uh, i don't think there's a place for anything sexual or racial racial but swearing i'm afraid is here to stay <laughs> Do you have a song in your head? Turn your ideas into full songs. With a team of professional musicians, engineers and producers, we can turn even the simplest demo into full studio quality recordings. Go to www.innovationstudios.com Alison. And Alison is in Clacton. Hello, Grassroots. When have you most needed music and has there been a time when you couldn't bear to hear it? Ah, um, a good question. When have I most needed music? I think any time in, in my life, and, and I know I'm not alone with this, all right. um, I find, and other musicians out there will know what I mean, that sometimes the best way to, to get through a situation or to... Um, or to explore a situation, or to find out more about the situation, or to um, maybe go deeper into how you feel, is to try and search for a song that um, that kind of says it. I mean, let, let's start by the by the um, the fact that that couples have a first dance. Let's start with that, shall we? And couples have a first dance, and usually that it's because that song means something to them. And um, usually it's something. It might be something lyrical, but it might just be because the first after a couple of times they played the song and they both looked at each other and danced to it and realised it was a very very special song to them. And sometimes a song can say so much more than you can. I'm sure I'm not the only bloke out there who's given his girlfriend years ago, you know, a, a mixtape of my favourite songs or songs that said it better than I could. So when you music is an opportunity for you to. First of all, get in touch with your inner self and your real emotion, and you can write a song that nobody ever needs to see um and my you know by the by the same token you could throw a tantrum that nobody needs to see but if you write the song um you can listen back to it and then you can realize how much maybe just how much it was it was hurting I'll give you um I'll give you my again my my opinion my situation um losing losing my dad was was hard right and and hard is the biggest understatement i could ever i could ever tell you it it's it was it was terrible it's agony but as i said i think it was last week music can make you a robot because the job goes ahead no matter what you have to put everything to one side no matter what and you have to entertain and you have to do your job because the show must go on and i found that on the days when i couldn't get in touch with the sadness or i couldn't find that feeling I'd struggle. I'd think, oh my God, I can't get in touch with anything here. What's going on? And then I wrote the song and I wrote the song. And when I listened back to it, it absolutely broke my heart. It didn't break my heart when I was writing it because I was being creative. It was only afterwards I listened back to it and I suddenly realised and and it it broke my heart because I realised, you know, my goodness me, I feel like that and I hadn't realised. So, Subconsciously, music can fall out of you and can and can send a message from right deep in your in your soul, right deep in your subconscious. And um, whenever music, whenever I've needed music, it's always been there for me. And it might just be that sometimes you're feeling a bit low. Sometimes you're feeling a bit old, right? Sometimes I look at it and I think, you know, here I am. I'm I'm in my my sort of mid to late forties. My daughter's fourteen. My son's eleven. They're both at big school now, and I and I, I feel my goodness me, where have those years gone? So I might just go back and listen to something I listened to when I was seventeen, maybe a bit, maybe an Iron Maiden album that was out at that time, or maybe some music that I listened to when I was younger. And I think sometimes that's a good way of of just um, just taking you back a little bit. You can go back on that time tunnel and listen to something you listened to years ago it's not it's not a midlife crisis it's not me trying to be young you know I'm not going to go and get an earring out and an earring done and get my belly button pierced but it's nice to just now again um, now and again just listen to something you used to listen to because there are days when you suddenly think my goodness me I mean you have to pinch yourself to remember I've been you know this this many years I've done music wow I was hoping to get um you Uh, and then find a job, you know, or two months and then find a job. And here I am, I've got 30 years and I'm still doing it and people are still ringing me and they're still booking me and they're still having lessons with me. And I'm thinking, wow. But now and again, it's okay to just, when I've needed music, it's usually been to get in touch with some emotion or to find um, something that would, um, that would bring out something that was maybe that I was trying to suppress or something that I wasn't necessarily admitting to myself. So there have been times when I've needed music. Also, I think um, to, to go out and to perform and to, and to, you know, you get the milk of human kindness sometimes. You might play a show and then people will come up afterwards and we'll chat to you. I oh, really, really enjoyed what you what you did. And just after I lost my dad, I played a couple of shows and the people were so nice. And my brother actually was with me and he said a little, little bit of kindness goes a long way at the moment, doesn't it? And it does you know and it wasn't people didn't know my situation they didn't know me from adam but the fact that they were nice it just meant a lot it made you feel like you know you weren't you weren't alone with everything and and um that the world was a good place it wasn't it wasn't a terrible place it, you know the world hadn't changed because you'd lost somebody um there's never really been a time in my life when i when i couldn't bear to hear music i can't think of any time where i wasn't able to listen to it or where i couldn't bear to hear it um but there are of course Songs that I couldn't bear to listen to, um, that reminded me of somebody. But sometimes you have to do that. You have to um, kind of wake that sleeping beast up because if you suppress it and leave it, then nothing's going to happen. So sometimes it's good if you're if you're trying to get in touch with an emotion, or you're trying if you feel sad about somebody, or if you feel. Um, then music, in my opinion, is the best thing for that, to find a song and to find uh, a thought process around that song that would, um, you know, that would evoke that emotion or or that would maybe make you feel better, make you feel happier, make you smile if it's a funny song or a happy song, um, that sort of thing. Um, in terms of when, music, when I couldn't, the, the only time I couldn't bear to hear something is if I've been working on it for so long that I'm sick of it. So... But there's never emotionally. I've never really. Um, music has been um, pretty much, aside from my from my kids, um, and my and my beautiful um, partner, is and my family of course. It's been my life, and it's been um, everything that I would ever want it to be for me. It might not be any good for somebody else. But um, no, there's never been a time I couldn't bear to listen to it, and there's never been um, music has, has, has really helped me. It's um, I think it's identified me. It, it helped me when I was younger, when I was man in my twenties and trying to chat up girls on a Saturday night, on a Friday night, whatever. Um, quite shy, but not not really outgoing, and then here I am fronting a band, chat to any girl I wanted to, and. And I weren't God's gift, but I was just the front man and I was able to do that. So, you know, my 20s were good because I was able to meet people. Um, music's been good to me and um, there's never been a time when I wasn't able to hear it. And it's it's been good to me on so many levels. It's made me laugh. It's made me cry. It's made me angry. Um, it's made me get in touch with something else, it's reminded me of somebody that I haven't spoken to for a while and I've texted them or rung them and, and we've caught up and it's been really, really great conversation. It's reminded me of family, it's reminded me of people I've lost, it's reminded me of people I've loved and it's reminded me every day of the people that I continue to love and, and the people that I continue to share my life with. Um, so music, yeah, it's it's everything. Uh, Lorraine. Um, Lorraine puts where she was here. Where is she? She's Bri- Brightling Sea, Lorraine. Oh, Brightling Sea. <laughs> That's lovely. Uh, Funny enough, I was in the Lido, 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 uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Went up there for a look. They've, they've opened it again, haven't they, Lorraine? You, you would know if you lived near it. Um, and, uh, yeah, fabulous. I love it there. It's the first time I'd ever been, and, um, yeah, I'm going to take the kids. But Lorraine says... Hello, Marcus, and everybody at Grassroots. I hope you're well in these difficult times. Years back, before the internet, we used, we just used to sing along to songs as we heard them on the radio. What lyrics have you been singing wrong for years? Oh, Lorraine, I've never sung a lyric wrong in my life. Um, okay, so there there are a few. There, there's a few, yeah. Because I know what you mean. Um, I, I've said this before. I feel like I'm I'm the last gunfighter in the old west. Um. You know, I'm I'm probably, you know, the the last of the generation that if we had to learn a song, then we had to put the needle on the record, you know, put the needle on the record and and scribble the lyrics as quickly as we could and then put it back from the start and and check that we had them written down properly and then uh, scribble the next bit if we could get there. And so there was no we couldn't download the lyrics. We couldn't go online and find out uh, what what the guitar parts were. There wasn't any tab online. There were, there were the odd tab books would come out, but there wasn't any music stuff. You couldn't; It wasn't readily available. So we had to learn stuff by listening to it and trying to work it out. Um, and I can tell you that pe- people say to me now, how could, how could you do that? How do you listen to something and work it out? It's because I, I'm older than a lot of the people that I teach. And the people that I teach have got the internet and the World Wide Web and can just click on something and learn it. I didn't have that. I had to... Listen to stuff and work it out, and I had to work out all the chords. I think it's a B minor, is it an E minor? it goes to A there. and Work this out and listen to the solo and try and work out where it was played. So, um, technology was very, very you know, different then when I when I was first learning, and um, we so we had to we had to do that. And I think that the honest truth is that there probably are quite a few lyrics I've been singing wrong for years, um, but my my answer to that is I, I, I haven't really gone back and printed off the lyrics I, I i've always gone by what i by what i sing because I, listen, I i learn the song by listening to the song and if now and again yeah i'm i'm trying to think off the top of my head if there's anything that i'm that i'm singing wrong um I think I mean there are lots of other ones out there where the, you know the, the the it's alleged that if you listen to the Beatles' "Day Tripper" that he he actually says uh, she's a prick teaser rather than she's a big teaser, uh, so there are little things like that. But um, I'm trying to think now. I mean the 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 biggest example for me I suppose is is probably the Rolling Stones' "Brown Sugar," because when I when I printed the lyrics and had a look at them, I couldn't make them fit. So I had to make the noises that Mick Jagger made, and it was, and it was right, you know. Um, and nobody's ever come up to me and said, you know, you're not actually singing the lyrics right, because I'm making the same noises that Mick made. Um, so, yeah, I think there are, there are silly things, and obviously there are stories of people getting the words wrong. And um, I had a, uh, a friend of mine growing up, and, and um, I remember we, we, were, we were only kids, and we were going to, um, it would have been like something like Chessington Zoo or something, and we were on the uh, coach and it was Zoe, and she's singing, packet of crisps and a marathon. Oh, packet of crisps and a marathon. Um, packet of crisps and a marathon. Oh, which is actually, we're the kids in America. We're the kids in America. Well, so there you go. Um, so she got that one wrong. There's all, I've, I've heard people talk about um, Bad Moon Rising. There's a bathroom on the Right. But I don't. I don't know if anybody's actually sung that. It's, you know, have a look at Peter Kay when he does the misheard lyrics, um, because it's one of the funniest things that that I've ever seen. Um, but no, I, I like to think that I, I kind of learn the songs, and listen to the songs so much that I know. I, I sort of know how they should sound. And although some of the words don't necessarily make sense, like Brown Sugar, John John says she got a car on her feels... Sounds a bit like it to me. And when you see the lyrics written out, you think, he doesn't sing that. And you'll find that a lot. I tell you what, now and again, you probably haven't got much time now. I should have done this a year ago. But every so often, just download the lyrics to a song and play it and follow the lyrics. And I'll guarantee you look at it and go, he doesn't sing that. He doesn't sing that. Um, I can't think of any. I'll have to try and write this down and and make a note of a few for next week. But, yeah, I mean, at the the end of the day... um, I try and learn the song by singing along with it, and I would advise most of the musicians out there you do it, because there's too many of you, and you, if you don't know who you are, and I'm not going to tell you, but I'm just saying it, who just download the backing track and just download the lyric and then sing it through once and then take the lyric sheet with you and play it through that night. No, no, no. Listen to it. Learn it. Sing along with a song. Sing alongside. The timing is right. The breathing is right. The attack is right. The energy is right. And then go and perform it in the evening. Because that that's not right. Just download a lyric and just go and do it. It's like some 14-year-old kid I once saw on karaoke at Minehead Butlins. And they'd obviously got him up there for a joke, and I can still hear it in my head. And it was Kevin. And Kevin's gonna sing Billy Jean. And he didn't know Billy Jean. And Billy Jean back in track, he's thumping away. <laughs> And Kevin's going, Billie Jean is not my love. She's just a girl who says, I am the one. But the kid is not my son. (laughs) It's honestly one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Um, But learn it. Learn it from the song. Sing along with the original and get to know it. Because even if you're not singing the exact lyrics that you've got written and printed down... You're singing with the same energy of the song. You're singing the right syllables, the right verbs at the right time. And nobody's going to come up to you at the end and saying you got your words wrong. All right? Because as long as you're singing something that sounds very, very close to what they're singing, then you're doing your job. All right? That's, that's my opinion anyway. <laughs> but try and sing the songs right if you can. All right? Uh, Ray. Ray doesn't even say hi. He just says, bagpipes. I hate the bagpipes. Are there any instruments you wouldn't want to play along with? <laughs> Hello, Ray. Um, yeah, bagpipes, I think, Ray. Um, no, I don't, I don't know. I think every instrument has its place. There are some instruments that I don't like um, the sound of, but it doesn't mean that they don't have their place. Um, let me think. I think any instrument played badly, for a start, right? So, a violin played badly. I don't think... I'll tell you what the poll's out. Have a think. Get back to me on this one. Is there an instrument that sounds worse than a violin being played badly? Or 200 recorders at the school's uh, Easter Bonnet Parade? Oh God. Worst sound in the world. Ooh, like the loudest noise you've ever heard. Um... No, I mean, to Wall was. We used a recorder on "Brother," which was on the first album. Um, violins on on whatever by Oasis. The string sections. Um, there's a, a xylophones on various things and uh, keyboards. I'm trying to think if there's any instrument that I can't stand. No, like saxophone, trumpets. I really don't think there's anything. I mean, you know. I mean, even uh, maybe a maybe a didgeridoo, right? But even then, that's got its place. It's got it if if it feels right and it's there. Um, no, I, I I oh I know oh panpipes. Oh my God, pan pipes. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I'd necessarily. But but again, when they're played properly, they're a beautiful, beautiful sound. So no, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna stay on the stay on the, on the fence there, and say there aren't any instruments. That I wouldn't want to play along with. That I played well. Any instrument played badly, I'm out of there. But uh, no, and I'm sorry that you hate the bagpipes. It's, I'm not a huge fan myself, but if you've ever been to Hogmanay or or you've ever ever had somebody piping the haggis in, it's an amazing sound. Absolutely amazing sound. So um, yeah, don't be ignorant with the bagpipes. There, give them give them a chance. All right. <laughs> Innovation Studios is the perfect place for any aspiring singer-songwriter to take their journey to the next level. Whether that be starting at the basics of building a solid foundation on your first instrument, learning the best ways to perform your first open mic, or refining your current set with an experienced performer, or recording a polished album at the highest of standards. With soundproof walls and perfect ambience and acoustics, our studio is also a great place for a budding producer to learn their craft. Hone their skills and begin producing music. Check out what we have to offer throughout our website. Go to www.innovationstudios.com Daz in Canvey. Hi Marcus, I'm a songwriter and I'm trying to save time on recording and programming drums or sharing the structure with other musicians That sometimes it can be a laborious task. Is there any options or is there any advice you have to speed this process up? Hi Daz. Um, yeah, you need to, you need to um, know your own songs inside out when it comes to programming drums. What you don't want to be doing is um, listening to it as you program the drums. What you need to do is get a pen and paper, listen to your demo, and then count the bars. So you need to learn how to count the bars and learn also how to play the song at probably 200 miles an hour when you're trying to work with other musicians. Um, if I just grab my guitar for a second. So you're trying to work something out and you suddenly find, oh, I need to, I need to go through this. So you can say, okay, right. When well, it goes like this, uh, the song is, and then what the band do is you guys so it does it again, and be able to play it through that quickly because you know it that intricately. The other thing as well when you're programming drums as well, usually it works in um, three three straight beats and then a fill or seven straight beats and then a fill. Seven straight bars of beat, that is. So um, have, a, have a listen to your songs, but you need to get to know your songs, the structures. So when it comes into working with a band situation, you can say to your drummer, um, it's basically seven bars and then a fill or then it, it breaks down on this bit, it breaks down on that bit. So it's not just a case of you standing there and just strumming through the song... And getting them to work it out, sometimes you have to, you have to sort of, dun, 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 so it's one, one, two, two, three, then uh, that, then it goes to that middle bit, two, three, four, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, so that's four bars, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Eight bar chorus, so it's seven bars and then a fill at the end. So it's knowing your songs so that you can play them through at double speed when you're talking to the band. Put my guitar back. As everybody's done that at some time or another when they've been working through it. every band knows that sound that I just did there, where you go... Duh, duh, duh. So when you're listening to stuff as well, I t- said to my daughter about this as well. Think about music as being Lego bricks. And when you listen to a song now and again, instead of just listening to it, listen to it as a work. If, if you're a songwriter yourself, or if it's something music you want to get into... Listen to it and count the bars. So maybe your your homework this week, if you're listening in, is to choose five songs. And then at the end of that, at the end of those five songs, write down how many bars of music are in that song. Okay? So you get used to it. So at the end of it, it'd be nice if I get an email or a bit of paper from a couple of you that just say, um, Bon Jovi, who says you can't go home, 187 or something like that how many bars of music in it. The other thing as well, Daz, is listen to um, patterns of songs. Listen to how many times the drums repeat. So if you take a song, I'll give you that example, Who Says You Can't Go Home by Bon Jovi. If you've never heard the song, go and listen to it. Bon Jovi doesn't need the the help of some bloke in a shed in Hadley, right? But um, it's not a shed. It is a proper studio here, by the way. I know I say shed, but uh, um, he doesn't need my help. Anyway, is it, basically it. But... When you listen to that, you suddenly look at it and then then look at it in terms of drum patterns. How many drum uh, bricks are in that? There's a hanging drum, which is just the one that hangs at the start. Then there's a straight fill. Then there's a, like a beep, 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 beep yeah, bam, 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 there. So count, listen to how many patterns of drum are in that piece of music. There's not many. And listen to how many patterns of drum are maybe in lights in white satin. You can listen to it and go. That's straight again. That's straight. Then, so then, what you do, Daz, is you have your bit of paper and you go, um, okay, seven bars of four four, then one bar of fill, and then that fill could be you know fill one. Um, seven bars of three four, fill two. Seven bars of uh, seven bars of four four, fill one. Whatever, you know what I mean. So when you write it down, you're you're seeing it as where your verses are. So instead of writing out. Um, your lyrics and your chords above the lyric on the back of that page or on the bottom of that page write out the structure in blocks in top line music what they call top line music and what that is is you just need to draw a box and write in it what chord you need to play for that bar and then so it might just be four bars of a and then two bars of d two bars of a two bars of e and then two bars of a which is a 12 bar i think it's johnny Be good right so if you think about Johnny B. Good as a piece, you look at it and you say, okay, right, mostly it's two bars of A, two, uh, four bars of A, two bars of D, two bars of A, two bars of E, two bars of A, right, if you're playing it in A. So that's your structure. But there are a couple of times where at the start, there's just there's a stab on the one. Stab on the A, two, three, one, two, three, dun, bam, bam. So you have to program that drum. After that, that repeats itself a couple of times in the song. So get to know the song in terms of what the drums do. And also now and again, being a musician is not about... I was talking to uh, Richard about this, Richard Hughes, who's... Uh, I've been working with, and uh, he happens to be a neighbour of mine. He's a gr- great guy. And I was chatting to him the other night, and I said that being a musician is not about hearing your instrument. It's not about um, your instrument being so loud that you can hear it. It's about you being able... It's about your instrument being at the right level, but you being able to focus on it. Any musician out there that's done this for a lot of years will know what I mean when I say... If I wanted to sit somewhere and I'm, I'm able to, maybe two or three tables down a restaurant, focus in on that conversation, I could probably hear every word. You train your ears to focus on one particular frequency or one particular sound. Obviously, you want your guitar where you can hear it. But it, the, the trick of it is to be able to pick your sound out. When a band hits the stage, Wall to Wall used to go out, O'Neill's on a Saturday night, on stage at midnight, everything cranked up so loud a wall of noise but i was able to hear my guitar and pick out my guitar and that's what i advise people to do when you listen to music focus on one instrument focus on maybe the bass guitar and just listen to what the bass guitar does like for instance the bass guitar on on something got me started by simply red listen to what the bass does it's got its own little tune so don't listen to the whole picture or the whole look at the whole picture pick out little corners look at little things it's like the the the, the famous painting of the um, of the last supper i've never seen it in person but i am reliably informed it is huge now you can stand back and you can look at the whole thing but if you get closer take the time you can find out the individual detail of that, the different colours in it, the different expressions in it, the different you know facial expressions, the different way that the the, 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 the paint and that the, the artist has used light and shade and all sorts of things. So music's the same. Don't just listen to a, a piece of music and sing along with it. Focus on one particular instrument. So the bass line in Something Got Me Started, listen to the um eternal flame by the bangles you suddenly find that there is a uh it's like um i can't think of what it is like a finger bell or something like some sort of little bell that's on the on, on i think it's on the two the second beat of the bar but it's only the first time through listen to survivor eye of the tiger when that kicks in remember that uh eye of the tiger the second time through on that intro it's late don't Dum, 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 then the second time, dum, bam, 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 bam comes in late. Listen to it, then you know, you know what I mean. Um, listening to, for, for things like that, because it's not just a case of doing things the same all the time. So, as I've said many times before, Daz, in order to write stuff yourself and to explore stuff yourself, you need to be able to. Explore other people's stuff and listen to other things. When people have heard me play acoustic guitar and said a really good show, I've not been alone in my head. I never am, to be fair. But I've I'm not I've not been alone. As I've been playing, I've been able to hear what every every member of the band, if there were one, would have been playing. So I'm just kind of reacting to what I do and enjoying it. But in my head, I've got the drums, I've got the metronome, I've got other stuff going on. So. Keeps me keeps me busy, but um, learn how to structure your songs and how to count bars, and how to very quickly program the drums. Because usually you find a lot of the drum stuff is repetitive. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. So how many of those are there before there's a two, three, four before there's a fill? Learn about uh, how drums are done and how many bars are in each structure. Daz. but if nothing else, mate, good luck for it and uh, with it, and thank you very much for. Um, listening in um that pretty much wraps it up for today um i've had a lot of fun it's not been so warm today but it's been a pretty warm week out there hasn't it Uh, so a bit cooler today i'm going to go in and 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 indulge in a hobby of mine and a real passion of mine i'm going to watch the darts tonight all right um take very good care of yourselves out there don't forget www.innovationstudios.com is the website Um, innovation studios uk at gmail if you want to send me an email you can find me on instagram innovation studios you can find the grassroots page and the innovation studio page on facebook and i'm under innovation studios i think on twitter so until i speak to you until um, i hear from you have a very very good week won't you take very very good care look after each other and uh, i'll be back soon all right Next Friday, every Friday, six o'clock, Grassroots Music UK podcast. I'm out of here. Yours, your music, signing off. Bye bye for now.